You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today... It is 9.45 p.m. on Sunday, and as of now, no one else on the Pacers has gotten hurt since the last episode we recorded. So we're finally going to finish off the mailbag we were hoping to do last week. We have some more of your questions from Twitter. Last one of these. Thank you all so much for the questions and joining me on the other line to finish off our three-part Twitter mailbag because you guys are awesome and asked a bunch of questions. My lovely co-host, former Andy Corners writer extraordinaire, Adam Friedman. Adam, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. About time we finish this. Hopefully, uh, no no news breaks at uh, what nine forty five p.m. Eastern time is recording. <laughs> yeah, last week was was interesting. You know, but lots to cover. Uh, if you want, if you're here for injury coverage, we did the Sumner Achilles tear on Friday, the Nate Hinton signing, and the T.J. Warren foot updated diagnosis. I don't really know exactly what to call that on Wednesday, as well as two mailbag episodes with context around those injuries. So lots of stuff last week for that today. We will finalize the mailbag with nine more questions. And a reminder, some of these were asked before the news was announced of the Hinton signing and those injuries. So some of the questions are a little bit irrelevant, but we will still answer them to the best of our abilities. First up, from Billy Osborne, he says, this will be the year we finally decide if the two bigs can work. Yes, it kind of has to be, as we've said on the show many Is that times. A question or a statement? No, it's it's the start of the question. It says, okay. I hope we can find a way to get this lineup to work well. Do you see Turner being able to transform into a rim runner as well as a shooter? I've seen him get up before. I always thought we should use him like that. So, Billy, good question. Uh, Carlisle did mention using him in such a way in his presser, which was, to me, one of like the three most noteworthy things he said since the Pacers hired him. And if he follows through with that, that's, you know, a lot more than just saying it right last year. We talked a lot about how we liked Bjorkren because he was following through with a lot of the stuff he said. And then that did not end up being the case as the season went on. We'll see what happens with the Carlisle trust meter, but you know, Turner is pretty athletic, right? We see him get up for blocks like every game, you know, we know he can do that on offense. And I know that because of, you know, the duplicative skills with Sabonis, who's always rolling and guys who like to attack off the dribble, having him space out makes some sense. But if he's the guy who ends up setting screens when Sabonis is not in the game, or even when that when he is just at times having him very mixing up dives and pops has always made sense to me because of his athleticism. So if Carlisle can find a way to do that, that would be great. Yeah, I don't know if it will be decided this year. Um, I it seems like they are okay. Just keep constantly pushing it. And if, if there's like always enough of a reason to not do it, right? Like it's an injury here or, you know, or a coach issue or that, right. If, right. Originally it was like McMillan. See if a new coach can make it work. That was kind of one. And that's kind of the, the thing they're doing now as well. Um, and then you kind of like, and yeah, Sabonis was hurt for part of it. Then Turner was kind of hurt last year's end of the year. So you can, you can see that at all. And we haven't really seen it in the playoffs yet. So like, I, I do think there's a chance that it could get more decided this year. And I do think Turner has an ability. I think if they can figure out how to um, play him kind of outside of the just rim protecting constantly and see if they can like either boost up Sabonis around there or whatnot to make it work a little bit different defensively. Cause Turner is a better, uh, I think perimeter defender than Sabonis too, at times. I mean, he's just a better defender overall um, on offense though. I'm not sort of turns me get that much better. I think he probably hit his ceiling a 
in the last couple of years where he's just probably going to become a better three point shooter, not so anything else that he can do. Yeah, I I think it's got to be this season that it comes to a head. Either that Carlisle figures it out or they realize it's time to move on because I think Bjorken made him a little better and added some versatile elements to what the duo can do. But the reason I think this is the time, I mean, honestly, it's been the time for a while, but is because after this year's trade deadline, Turnwell next year will have one year left on his deal and his value goes way down from what it would be if you get him for a full offseason and next season and some of this season, whatever, what have you. That extra time is really valuable in selling your culture to him and being able to extend him on your new team in terms of how much the Pacers can get back from him. So I think it, you know, they would lose a lot of value by waiting till next year. And it's very risky, but they've done that before. So I think it probably will be this year unless they can unlock Turbonus perfectly, unless Carlisle can do that. And it's possible. And I think him evolving on offense to the point of being that rim runner, that lob threat who can get up and get some dunks. And the Pacers haven't even really been an alley-oop team in years past. They don't know if they have that passer. Levert certainly seemed to, to do a few of them last season. So maybe that's one way this can unlock because we barely even saw Levert and Turner last year. It was like the first half of March, basically, or the second half of March was basically it for that duo. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's how it works out. But I, I think it will be decided this year. But I don't know that, that you know, they can even get Turner enough touches to make him be that dynamic guy. And that's why I think he'll, he'll get moved this year. Yeah, I don't think he has that much value in the league. I mean, I mean, I do. I still do. You've said that a lot, and I still disagree. But I get, you know, your points. I get it. But I still. Think well, well, he he clearly doesn't have as enough value to be worth trading, right? Because they would have made a move. Now, maybe there isn't the right. I don't move, know. I don't. I don't. But know. like, but the one time there wasn't a decent move, the team basically didn't want him, right? The Boston is a pretty clear one. Like that's a like what is pretty much a kind of a a win win scenario, right? Because Boston, I guess, unless they thought they were getting Hayward back for sure, which maybe they did. But like in that scenario, Hayward wanted to come to Indiana. It was either basically trade him or lose lose him for nothing. And it's like they should have made the move for Turner and McTurner, but they didn't. And that that and that might have just been a blunder by Boston, I guess. And it kind of seems like that is. But to me, that kind of shows that his value in the league is just not super high. They don't, you know, I think he played a position that's not super valuable in the league in general, right? That the league doesn't value centers unless they're like offensive juggernauts kind of way. And at the same time, I think he he then also isn't off the jug at the same time. So it kind of like lowers his value in some ways. I just think they could have got the Celtics think they could have got more from the trade exception and they bet very wrong. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, although technically but, it's still not over, but yes, yes, they were wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they screwed that up yes. royally. Question two, Mark Schindler at M Schindler NBA. Indy Cornrows podcast host. You've probably heard him. You know his thoughts on the Pacers. He says, how do you think the usage falls out among the top seven players in the rotation? It is very dizzying considering how variable it can be. I agree. Extremely variable. Uh, assuming the top seven is the starting five, I'm putting Warren in there, plus TJ McConnell and Justin Holiday. Um, so here, Adam, let me let me throw some stats at you really quick to help get a baseline for this. We have seen this lineup, Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, Turner, Sabonis. We've seen that lineup, which is the closest facsimile to Levert in, in for Oladipo that we have seen in Pacers history. We have seen that for a total of 86 minutes. 170 possessions. We don't have a big sample size to go off. We have a little bit of data here. In those minutes, Miles Turner took 10 shots. Sabonis took 30. Brogdon took 28. Oladipo took 20. And Warren took 28. So Sabonis had the largest play finishing usage, and we know that he has the ball out for passes anyway. Uh, but his usage rate was actually not the highest. It was 21.5%. Uh, Warren was at 22%. Brogdon at 23 or excuse me, Brogdon at 19 and a half, Oladipo at 23 and Turner at 12 and a half. 
So before we get to McConnell and Holiday, do you feel like those numbers I threw at you are, are at least decently reasonably close to what you'd expect if that same five had Karras in for Depot? I would think you would say Sabonis a little bit higher. Uh, wow, higher. Don't you feel like he's going to be in Most shots. Four? I don't think he – oh, that's twos. Excuse me. I was reading two-pointers only. <sighs> Got to redo all that. Dang. Because I say wouldn't Sabonis – I feel like Sabonis would always have the highest on the team. And usage, right? Because the when Envy doesn't he has the most touches, but usage is is number of possessions you finish. Whether that you turn it over, you shoot it, you get fouled. Oh, whatever. I thought usage was a base. There's a, it was based on like how many times you touch the ball in a possession. Like no nope. separate possess- stat. That's okay. just touches. Okay, so then yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? That Warren is probably going to be the highest in terms of finish shots, but it'll be Warren or Levert then. I got to add in threes because apparently I can't count. Turner shot twenty three times. Sabonis shot thirty two times. Brogdon shot thirty two as well. Oladipo shot 33 and Warren shot 35. So Warren was the most, Depot second, Brogdon and Sabonis tied for third, and then Turner like 10 behind in last. I think that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that uh, I think that makes sense. Uh, I think that if, I, if anything would change, I think you'd see some reflection of Warren has the ball less and Levert has it a little more just because he can pass better than Depot could at that time. Because remember, he was recovering when this lineup was actually existing and plausible for like, a month, not even when, when Depot came back at the end of that or right after his injury. Uh, but two, remember Depot at that stage was just like chucking threes all the time. He couldn't drive at all. Right. So I think that Lavert's numbers will go up a little bit there, but that's where the, the reflex will happen is I think it'll go from Warren because he's recovering because his minutes will be down. And then if you mix in McConnell or holiday, just straight into that lineup, that guy would be the fifth guy and move behind Turner. Unless Turner's the guy who comes out of the game. Uh, in, into the fifth place slot. And then when those two are leading the bench units, they'd have the ball a lot. Of, so their usage is very variable just because they're not really within that starting five. But I think that the only time we've seen close to what the Pacers would call their healthy five, which was for a very short amount of time, it was pretty close to what we'd see this year with that group. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would expect the stats from the Oladipo when he was like that, those five were all healthy together to mirror with Levert swapping. I don't, I don't yeah, I think it'll be pretty close. I don't think I don't think the vert is kind of the same kind of shot volume as Oladipo at least was by that point in his career, like his yeah. career, right? But if you go back like to like some lineups where maybe then you're subbing in, right? Because there's I'm sure there's enough lineups out there of like where you could get Brogdon, Oladipo, one of the centers together, right? And Warren probably. There's like some combination of lineups like that, just because uh Oladipo played in the bubble. So there's probably like a very interesting like Turner. Well, just Turner because Sabonis was there, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that means it's probably interesting, like Turner. What would the lineup have probably been? Turner, Justin Holiday, uh, Brogdon, Oladipo, and Warren, right? There's probably that lineup there. And I wonder if those would mirror what we would see, except you would see sort of a um, more increase out of the Holiday play, which is where you're going to fit Laverne in. Yeah, that's plausible. That's plausible. All right, one more before we do a break. And I only do want to do this this timing because this one will be pretty quick, unfortunately. Uh, Adam A. Rapp says... Yogi Ferrell recently became available, waived by the Clippers. And I wanted to talk about Yogi because my favorite college basketball player ever. He said, could be worth a look. Seems like the Pacers have the guards they want to evaluate, but I feel like he is a victim of situation in his last stops and provides steady the ship minutes with, uh, with upside potential in the event of injury. So I screenshotted this one and I was psyched because they hadn't filled their last roster spot yet. And I was like, yeah, I mean, they need a third point guard and Yogi Ferrell's good and has state ties. This would be great. And now they've signed Nate Hinton. So signing Yogi is doesn't make sense, but I was so psyched about this idea that I actually made the graphic for the episode like six days early and it's got Yogi Ferrell in it now. So maybe they move on from like K 
Kiefer Sykes and bring in Yogi. I'm not saying at all they should or will do that. That's legally possible. They actually probably almost certainly will not do that. But man, would that make me happy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't seem like that's going to happen. But he no, was at uh, he was he he was at the IU football game on Saturday, right? I saw a tweet about. Oh, that. I don't know. I did uh, maybe. <sighs> man, you're 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 my IU guy. You 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 went to IU. You care about IU. I guess you got to know that I don't care at all about football. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think you know I saw that. a tweet that at the game or maybe just tweet about the game. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. So I loved that idea before they filled the final spot, but now it does not make sense. Unfortunately, I hope he finds a spot to land. He, every year he's out of the league when the season starts and then sticks somewhere last year with the Cavs and the Clippers the year before that. Well, he finished his two year deal with the Kings played a bunch of minutes for them. So I still believe that he can get another go around in the NBA. All right, let's take one break and get to some more questions. First, let's talk about the great, folks over at sweat block because sweating sucks. It's just annoying. Perspiring and ruining your shirt. It's embarrassing. I had to deal with this at the state fair a few weeks ago, and this is right before sweat block was one of the ad reads I had to do. And I wish I knew about them then because I sweated through my shirt because it was like hundred degrees outside and it sucked, but now there's sweat block and this doesn't happen to me anymore. It's a stronger and more effective antiperspirant, stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants as well. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed next day, you wake up, Shower, wash, whatever, go about your day. You don't have to worry about sweat at all. It, seriously, it's pretty crazy. Guaranteed. I know this will sound too good to be true, but I you use it like once every two or three days and it keeps you dry the whole time. No more putting out, no more picking your shirts based on which one will hide sweat better. Sweat block is your solution. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on, all one word. You can also get it at Amazon and CVS, but you can save that 20% if you go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code locked on. Go check it out today. And of course, let's talk about DirecTV because if you're like me, you've got one device where you can watch your sporting event game live, another device that you can watch your favorite shows, another place for your highlights. You got your phone to watch something, you got your TV with your login from either your friend or your parents or your sister, or whoever. Well, there's an easier way to do all that. Direct TV stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. No more juggling remotes. No need to buy more devices anymore. And the best part, no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter. Get rid of the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Moving on through the mailbag. Not D.B. Cooper says, also, that's exactly how D.B. Cooper's Twitter account would look. Says, should Goga play with the Mad Ants whenever they play in Indy? Backstory here. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files reports, the Mad Ants are going to be playing a handful of games in Indianapolis this season, uh, which is great. It'll help with travel. It'll be two-way uh, situations easier to manage. It's a good way to have guys do rehab assignments. You know, they did that with Depot and Sumner two years ago. It's a great way to have the Mad Ants closer to town. And see what the team's doing there. Anyway, should Goga play with the Mad Ants whenever they play in Indy? He obviously needs minutes, but the last time he played in the G League, he outperformed everyone. So I don't know if that would be beneficial for his development. I would say absolutely he should because he probably won't be playing much with the pro team this year and getting him minutes makes all the sense in the world, even though you are right. He clowned people in the G League when he played in the G League. So It's, it's, it's ridiculous if he has to play in the G League. I mean, he, he just trade him. Just trade him. I mean, you're basically holding him back. Yep, as you're, being, you're just being jerks. I mean, that's what it is for the team. Being jerks. Yeah, so Goga I played be, six I could be, I could say a cuss word there, but I was trying to be a little nice. <laughs> six games in the G League for Goga as a rookie. 
Uh, he shot 36% from three. Another reason, by the way, that I'm much higher on his three-point shot than basically everyone is I saw those games. And his yeah, form is really good. Shot 45% from the field, 36% from deep. Uh, 19 points a game, 13 rebounds a game. Absolutely dominated those six games. Like, he looked he looked so good, right? And I've talked about this before. Like, if you're a big man who can walk and chew gum at the same time in the G League, as Lazarus Jackson would say, you're going to do well. Like, TJ Leaf did well in the G League as well. But so did Goga, right? And those minutes, I think if he's, especially if he's not in the rotation at all, First of all, yes, Adam is correct. They should trade him. But if he's not in the rotation at all, yes, every time the man enters an Indy, get go get down there, give him the minutes because it, it it makes no sense for him to not play at all. And I know it's kind of weird to have your third year guy playing with the Mad Ants, but it's not this time for like a lack of development or talent. It's just because your roster construction does not give him the chance to play, and you need to give him that chance. I, I I've said it before, but I mean, at some <laughs> point, he he honestly. And like usually I'm not for this, but like demand a trade, he should, or just like say I want because it. He's an NBA player who deserves to get a shot in the NBA, right? We we don't know for sure that he's like a long term, 10, 15 year pro, but like he's proved that he's better than the G League. He's proved that he's better than the top Europe league, right? He he was was he the player of the year before he got drafted or one of them, right? A final one of them, that, yeah. right? So he's proven that he's like ready to play in the NBA and stuff like that. And the Pacers basically kind of held him back. A little bit. I mean, frankly, the first season he wasn't going to play it tonight. Anyways, fine. Last season wasn't great in terms of like what he, what he could have done development. But this is the year where it's your third year player. You should like finally be able to blossom out of like some small role into something. But because of the way the team is set up, they're not going to be able to play him. And it's just kind of like it, it sucks for him. Um, I don't. I don't want. If he has to play games in the G League, he should just be complaining that he shouldn't be on this team. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, uh, I think it makes sense. I guess the answer to the question, it makes sense, but he should be saying, no, no, I'm an NBA player. Trade me somewhere I can play some minutes. Yes. That he probably is pissed about his. Well, I don't, gosh, I don't want to say like speak for anyone, but like, I understand why he would be upset about his situation for the reasons you said. I don't know if he's not. Maybe he loves playing in Indiana and he's certainly growing. And I think they can find a way to get him 10 minutes a game next season. It needs to be more. It's a really tough situation for him. Yeah. I mean, even 10 minutes, not enough. Better. But it's not enough, right? Nope. Because like he should be in the rotation. Somewhere. Another reason, like going back to the first question, why I think the Turner stuff hits ahead this season. But, you know? Yeah, yeah. He should be. We've got a podcast already, so we don't need to keep manning. But he oh, yeah, should I've be done in a second on this like once a month. For like yeah, yeah. Years. We'll probably keep doing it. It's one of the big lines yeah. of the season, and I don't know. I feel like somebody has to sit up for him because he's getting kind of hosed right now. We talk about Jeremy Lamb's roster spot kind of being like a waste of resources just because you're paying him 10 and a half million to barely play, except now he will because of the injuries. But with Goga, it's like you, you picked a first round pick, like the, the resource there is you're not allocating it. Well, if you can't play him at all. So we'll see how yeah, it, it's not actually a waste of a roster spot. Cause you're going to have to use on a third center, no matter waste what. Waste of a pick, not a roster spot. Yeah. yeah totally waste of pick. And it, and it, it was a waste of the pick at the time. If they, if like, it was this weird thing where I think they, thought they had moved on from a center by now and they haven't, which is just like makes it even worse. Right. It's like you're kind of doubling up on two mistakes, but they should have moved on from a center. And then they also made the pick, which creates two problems. Rep Bauer says, what should the early season priorities be? And he lists a few sort of options here. We've talked about these a lot. What can Rick Carlisle do with the big duo both together and individually? Do you try to rehab lamb's value? Do you try to get point Levert going? At some point, do you spread the ball around amongst the starters? Do you try to focus on one guy? Do you get Duarte in right away? You know, what do you think the Pacers need to prioritize early in the season? You know, the tough part about this kind of stuff is there's an optimal answer of like, you play a lot of Duarte. You try to get Lamb out there to up his value. You try to find minutes 
or Goga. You try to experiment with your lineups, but one, you can't do everything at once. You can't. Like there's a lot of conflicting goals. Two, players care about their minutes and they and they care about playing basketball. And I get why that's the case, but it makes it very hard to tell them, even if you're trying to optimize the regular season, hey, you, we're going to bench you for 10 games so we can up this guy's trade value. They're like, why? I don't care. You know, they, they have an agent. They'll be pissed about that, right? There's a lot of political stuff that goes on that makes it really hard to prioritize the right goals. That said, if I'm in charge, one, Duarte, you're playing every game. You're in every game. Uh, I try to get close to 15 minutes. If he's not playing very well, you can obviously tone that down. But, you know, the Pacers have with old regimes, and I'm, I'm, I don't know how, Car- you know, we've seen Carlisle's tracker with young guys. Uh, but that's my, you know, he doesn't go for them as hard as other coaches do. But you got to get one young guy you're just playing all the time. And Duarte, yeah, I know he's 24, and some of you are laughing at young. But he should play 15 minutes every game, especially with worn out. Sumner's not behind him. Get him out there every time. Do you agree that that is number one? Priority of the goals of the regular season, per se. For the Pacers. Yeah, I mean that. Would, that definitely, if it's not one, it's one B. I mean, it, it, playing the young guys or playing a guy you took who's twenty four years old in the top fifteen who needs to get his timeline already started. Um, you don't really have time to mess around with him, right? You don't have time to sit him for a year uh, just because of his age. I mean, you want to get to his peak yep. years quicker. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be great this year. I'm not sh- saying he should be playing thirty minutes right now, but you sort of need to accelerate timeline versus like Isaiah Jackson, right? If he doesn't play this year, he's 19 years old. I don't think either of us are going to be like, oh no, the 19 year old kid didn't play. And you know, next year will be a year for him kind of thing. So yeah, I think that's priority one. And then, I mean, would the other one be sort of just like trying to, to stabilize the bench into like a solid rotation, I guess. Mine would be my number two would be, or one, a whatever one B, as you said, figuring out what you got with the bigs in Carlisle, right? If you can be aggressive with those minutes early in the season, you have more data points when the trade deadline comes around. How does this, this is our third coach that this doesn't work with. We are really aggressively knowing now that we need what we need to do. Oh, wow. Rick figured it out. We, we, we have two awesome players starting, starting five right now. We don't have to trade these guys. Wow. We can look elsewhere and try to find better fitting pieces with the way he, you know, the more info you have on that earlier in the season, the better, right? You never know when the, you know, the James Harden trade demand happened 10 games in last year. You never know when that kind of stuff's going to pop up. The more info you have on a potential future decision, the better. That would be my 1B, personally. Okay, mine, I think, would be to to solve um, or to figure out, like, what the, the bench looks like. Um, and I guess it's a little easier now because there's been some injuries. But, like, I think before this, it was like there were 11 guys, and you want to sort that out quicker. You're really only playing probably 9 to 10, and then maybe some injuries. I guess maybe there are 12 guys if you get go-go, right? So I was like... yeah trying to solve who are like your nine players, maybe who is like, like, and yes. And who are then you're like seven or eight in, in like a big playoff series to get to that point. Right. But I think figuring out who like are the nine guys you can rely on 99 and you can actually can like maybe put together a good string of wins with those nine guys um, is a priority at some point. Cause I think that's when the Pacers made their runs previous couple years is they kind of, once they finally solidified a rotation, you know, in September 18 and 18, 19 and even um, 19, 20, I think it was, uh, they went, usually went on this ice, like mid season run of wins, right. They would have really good December's and January's, and, you know, peel off like, you know, 19 of 28 games like that. Point Levert's an interesting one because, you know, like if McConnell's hurt or Brogdon's hurt, he's going to be very much relied on to be point guard. But I don't think I would necessarily prioritize that over just naturally blending him and Brogdon early and figuring out what happens there. And then I think now that there's injuries, I would try to play lamb every game. Just get him something to show that he is better than last year. And if he's worse, then you just pull that plug immediately. Yeah, I mean, I think he's – if he doesn't play every game, then who are they playing on that 
bench, right? We assume Duarte, Duarte McConnell, Craig, and O'Shea. Isn't that crazy to me? Well, I thought Duarte, I was. I didn't even say Justin Holiday just now, but he. I was thinking Duarte is going to start, right? I'm just going to assume that or what, call that. That's spot. crazy that you've assumed that. I, I, to me, at least, I think Justin Holiday is like a lock with TJ Warren out. You think? I I, I figured they might. I guess it depends on what Warren's out for, right? This is a big if. Right? if yeah. Warren's like five or ten games. I might. They might go ahead and just start Duarte. I thought just just because I think they'll close close with Justin Holiday still. I wonder if they would just start him. But then your bench is McConnell, Warren, McConnell, Holiday. Um, Right, Lamb be right there at the three, then right, Lamb, Craig, and then name a center. O'Shea, yeah, playing O'Shea. O'Shea, okay. Oh, I, I guess I feel like they don't. Well, yeah, I guess you <laughs> put O'Shea. I'm trying to think. I guess I feel like to me the the O'Shea is O'Shea, Tory, Craig toss up, where Lamb is more competing for like who are they going to play at the two and three if they don't play Lamb and uh, Holiday or Duarte? Let's say right, Holiday Duarte two three next to McConnell. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they have another. Yeah, I would be. I just would be stunned if this team all offseason was like, "We're trying to get better. We're trying to. We're trying to get back to where we were. We think we're really good. We got a new coach. We're excited. Also, we're starting a rookie like that. You know, I get why they should start a rookie. I just talked about getting Duarte out there. I just that would be mixed messaging to me, which is why I don't expect that. But it is possible. But I mean, if he shows looks really good in training camp, it might not be such a like a crazy thing. Ah, right? uh, yes, <laughs> the noted, the noted. Uh, and I'll be all of talent that is training camp. No, but if he looks good in training camp, it might not be that crazy, right? And I, I do think if if, if Warren's injury is limited to like 10 games, and you're just saying for 10 games, we're going to play him here because we want to give, give him some minutes there and we want, don't want to script a rotation. But I, I, I bet know. in camp he's the best rookie they've ever seen. No, but I mean, he actually, has some looking, habits that, that the vets totally, have you're, never seen. I mean, I mean, looks good enough that the players around <laughs> him don't feel like, like, right? Like somebody like Brogdon or Sabonis can sniff out what is going to be good early on based on practice, right? And he plays really well. Actually, they think, oh, he could be starting with us for at least a little bit. That would be interesting, at least. I love I, this has been happening with football. So it's just fresh in my mind. I love training camp tropes so much. Are you they, kidding me? They are the, post- one of the funniest sportsisms that happens every No, the funniest ones are post draft tropes. Yeah, yeah. Why, I want some some GM or president to come on, tra- draft a guy like seventeen they didn't want because whatever reason, and come on to say, oh yeah, this guy's not gonna be very good. Maybe yeah. maybe back. Oh, we were pissed. Our, our top fifteen were off the board. We were pissed. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, they're <laughs> always gonna say the guy we drafted. He was he was high on our board. He was yeah. higher than you know. You know, he, we thought he would go top five or top ten. Even he fell to us. We're excited by him. He's gonna be great. We see the X, Y, and Z for him to happen. That's just. Yeah, I was reading stuff about like I think Mac Jones, right? With he's with the Patriots now because they cut Cam Newton. Man, I sound really dumb, but um, it was something like, oh, he he studied the playbook more than any other rookie I've ever seen, and like got the defense and stuff. And I was like, wasn't Tom Brady like just on his team? Like, I'm not saying that. You haven't maybe he's doing stuff you've never seen before, but like you don't have to gas the rookie up. Just well, you like, also yeah, forgot there's great. there's the Boston media bubble that blows just, everything out of proportion. Just say his work ethic's great. You're like, you're, yeah, you're just you're shooting the kid in the foot if he doesn't start off. I don't know, but whatever. Let's take one more break and do these last four questions. But before we do those four questions, let's talk about the great folks over at rockauto.com because you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you not want to do that? It's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. They don't even know where it is in the store at the time. They have to order the parts. It sucks. You know, it doesn't suck. RockAuto.com. You can spend 30%, 50%, even 100% less for the same parts at RockAuto.com. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could possibly need for your car or truck. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to RockAuto.com right now. 
See all the parts available for your car, for your truck, whatever, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you from Locked On Pacers. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Four more questions. Although two of them, uh, only one of them, actually. One of them is silly, and we'll start with that one. Elliot Beaver says, how will you celebrate when the Pacers are finally finished paying Monte Ellis? I don't, I don't think I'd celebrate. It's not my fault. The team gave him $44 million, right. And then cut him and then stretched him out for five years. I mean, that's a, I, I, I don't get happy anytime a billionaire has to pay a debt that he stupidly made. Hey, hey, no, I think it was the right choice. They couldn't have got Bojan without doing it. But no, 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 no. I just mean the whole money else experiment in the first place. Yes, the signing bad. The signing stretch bad. provision fine. I, I get totally why they did it at the yeah. time. It made it made the most sense. I just mean the whole. You just said stretch provision. I'm so sorry. The stretch provision deadline for NBA teams this off season was Saturday. So the Jeremy Lamb waving stretch, which is already like less than 0.5 percent possibility. Uh, is now a zero percent possibility. I mean, no yeah, one really made sense. Done that. That would have been really just kind of stupid. It would have been stupid. But we were talking about like if you're at the point where your salary dumping go got, I'd rather wave and stretch land. Like that's why. True. I would but they can't do that anymore. Anyway, yeah, uh, I'm thinking. I've always thought about making a really stupid like meme video where where I like celebrate it coming off of my cap sheet because it's annoying that I have to deal with that row and like make stupid random addition formulas that just add in this one cell all the time. So maybe I'll make a dumb video about it, but. In terms of actual celebration, not really. I mean, it helps them keep Edmund Sumner maybe next year. So that's the celebration. Yeah. I cropped out this person's name because I'm stupid, but I got this in a DM. It says, what did each player do this offseason? And that's a hard question to answer because for a lot of them, I don't know. I can stalk their Instagram stories to a certain one. extent. but I know I one of them did. You do? You do? Yeah. And I, I, Miles Sumner's got a very active Instagram. Yes. He is one that we know. So bonus, I guess, was playing for uh, Lithuania for a little bit. All right, let's run through them alphabetically. Okay. Gogo worked out with the team a little bit. I saw him at the uh, practice facility when we were there for the rookie introductions of Duarte and Jackson. Uh, he ended up getting hurt, not playing summer league due to personal reasons. Uh, he went to Europe. I don't know if he's still there or not. O'Shea Brissett is one I do not know. Uh, he played in summer league. Would you know that? Played very well in summer league, by the way. He played like one game, right? Then played two playing. games. Two? One and a half games, really. Yeah. yeah. It was very good. Uh, that's all we really know from him basketball-wise. Malcolm Brogdon went to Africa to continue his charity work, which is awesome. He came Didn't back, organized the team workouts yeah, in so the, California. He's leading the charge to get the Pacers back early for training camp, as he said on the Woj pod, if you want to check that out. Sounds like Malcolm Brogdon had a pretty killer summer, Adam. Yeah. I mean, he seems to be uh, – I think when you have a lot of money and you have – it's really – you can do a lot of fun things in the summer. <laughs> I know a lot of people in the first row of this, but less about the next ones. Torrey Craig went to Vegas to see his new teammates at Summer League. He signed a two-year deal with the Pacers, hung out some in Phoenix. Chris Duarte obviously got drafted by the Pacers, worked on his game in Indy, went to Summer League, played awesome. I don't really know what he did after that. Most of what I know is up to August, and like most guys were just working out before the draft three rookies. Nate Hinton, that's another one. No idea. Played Summer League for the Mavs. That's all I know. I don't even know how he played. I didn't watch the Mavs. Justin Holiday, another one. I don't know at all. I don't think he went out to the California workouts. I think he was one of the guys who was absent there. Well, he lives in Indianapolis off the Monon. So, yes, that's you know. true. Yes, but you I did see that. him, right? You saw him on Yeah. Not yeah. this summer. That was last year, I think. Oh, yeah. Last offseason. Isaiah Jackson uh, wore a Lakers hat when he got drafted because the draft is a stupid formality that has to happen and kicked <laughs> some butt in summer league and got traded technically twice and looked awesome. And now I don't know what he's doing. He held a summer camp as well. He held a summer camp 
uh, that the Pacers were involved at least a little bit in, which was cool to see him with some youngster Dijon Giroux. Uh, same with Hinton. I know he played in summer league for a different team, the Miami Heat, and was a killer defender, but I don't know much about what he did with the rest of his summer. He went undrafted, so he was doing a lot of pre-draft work. Here's one I know nothing. Jeremy Lamb. I got nothing on Jeremy Lamb's summer. Do you, have you been on the gram no. or, or stalking Jeremy? No, I have one. I, I don't even have Instagram, Tony. I, 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 oh, I just yeah, know one. I, forgot. I know one flight Instagram because Marina shows it to me sometimes. I was going to say, I see Marina. You on Marina's Instagram so much today. I see him there. <laughs> Karis Levert went on uh, JJ Reddick's podcast. Yes, that's about that the only thing I know that he did this offseason. That was a very interesting podcast. Oh, he was at the workouts in California as well. That's right. That's right. That podcast was very interesting. It was. It was. You need to listen to that. If you haven't, Keelan Martin was out in Vegas with Pacers brass and Pacers players. He was also at the team workouts out in California. He'll be competing for the last roster spot. TJ McConnell did not work out as much. So he didn't get injured, signed a big contract with the Pacers. Congrats to him. I'm sure he's enjoying his first off-season of fatherhood without actually speaking to him. That is my prediction. Sabonis went to Europe, kicked some butt in the Olympic qualifiers, was one game away from playing in the Olympics, but ran into the buzzsaw. That is Luka Doncic in FIBA play. Holy cow. Luka was ridiculous. Jakar Sampson is still listed on the Pacers roster, Adam, on uh, NBA.com. So is Cassius Stanley because neither of their cap holds have been removed from the team yet. I have no idea what Jakar did this summer at all. Zero idea. Uh, he does not use social media at all. He's not on the team. His media presence makes it very hard to know what he is doing. Yeah. N- nothing there. I don't think he'll be back. I don't know. I hope he can get an NBA spot next year, but it's not looking good for him. Cassius Stanley played in summer league, got his qualifying off a bold. He worked out with the team in California as well. That's just kind of why it was surprising to me. He's not coming back for camp, but you know, I hope he can find a spot to stick somewhere. Six more. Man, I'm sure that this is not riveting for some, but I actually am glad that I'm going through this exercise. Edmund Sumner. Uh, sad. Uh, worked hurt. out, was preparing for the season, claimed to be in great shape via his Instagram caption about his injury. And then while working out in Indy, tore his Achilles. Unfortunately, that is the end of his offseason. Kiefer Sykes played in the basketball tournament for Beheim's Army, a team of ex-Syracuse players, Adam's alma mater. So he hit the game-winning shot in that tournament, won himself a nice 80 grand of a $1 million prize, signed with the Pacers for training camp, did great, great as a stretch, did pretty well for the Pacers in summer league. It's like he's got a shot to compete for the Pacers' last roster spot. That's a pretty damn good summer, if you ask me. Yeah, good for him. Maybe number one. Terry Taylor got signed by the Pacers right after the draft. Had a nice summer league as well. One of the best rebounding guards in this draft class. Let's see what he can do in preseason. I don't know. Again, a lot of these rookies, they just worked out really hard pre-draft. Miles Turner. All right, you got this one. This is one you know about. So, Miles Turner uh, had a – first, he came in the offseason with injury, so I think he was a little overweight, he said. Cut cut that down. He said he – Stopped drinking for like, I think four or six weeks, got back in great shape. Then he spent a decent amount of time out in California. Uh, there were some shots of him in, I think, a Redwood Forest at an Oakland A's game and at a winery in the Napa Valley. And I think he then participated in the uh, that team game in LA, right? Correct. Practice in LA. So, yeah, uh, he had an eventful summer, but yeah. You missed two things, too. That's how eventful the summer was. You missed two big things. Oh, what? Oh, what else? Wait, hold on. What, what, he worked out with Rick Carlisle in Dallas. Ah, that's gone. right. Big time to see him with the coach. And then he was in Vegas as well with the team for Summer League. Oh, okay. Because they always just go to the crowd and find some random player on one of the teams that's playing to interview. And Miles always says, yeah, I'll do it. So every single Pacers game, Miles Turner. He, he, uh, he's always available. He is. He is. Two more. TJ Warren continued his rehab. Uh, it was looked like it was going well because he was also at the Pacers uh, games, whatever you want to call them, practices, workouts in California. He was tweeting about playing basketball more. Sounded like. 
who's progressing well. Now we know that there's a little bit of delay in his lengthy rehab process. We'll see what happens when the season starts. I'm guessing he was just rehabbing and working out all summer. Last one, Dwayne Washington went through the pre-draft process, did not get picked, but got an immediate two-way right after the draft from the Pacers. Had easily the best first game of summer league of any Pacer. Now is going to be one of the best shooters in the G League next year. So that is everybody. I don't think I missed anybody, did I? You know, I lost track if you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's everybody. I hope that was helpful. I will tag that person the question. I can't believe I cropped out their name from the DM. I'm an idiot. Steve Wiktorowski says, with worn out indefinitely, how likely is it that TJ McConnell starts? If so, can they juggle minutes so that Brogdon is playing the point when McConnell isn't on the floor? Could Duarte play some backup point guard as well? I don't think it's very likely that McConnell starts, but I don't think it's ridiculous that Lavert Brogdon McConnell could be the starting five. What do you think? So I don't think he starts, but I think, is there a chance McConnell plays like 30 minutes because of this and ends up being the most uh, played, like the fifth most minutes player, player I guess? Uh, right? 30 like, is way too many, <laughs> but more but than what we originally thought. What was McConnell? What did McConnell play last year at the end 26. of the year? 26, but how much was he playing? The last like thirty games. Let's see. Uh, last thirty games with the exact last thirty games. I'm. I don't know. Somewhere in that range. I'll. I've got it. Hold on. I'm gonna do. I'll do from April onward. How about that? Sure. From April onward is uh, twenty six games, and he played twenty seven minutes per game. In Which was so could he play that number right? And that would probably be the fifth Maybe. most of any player, right? If let's say they start, let's say they theoretically start Holiday or Duarte. I guess Holiday would probably get there, but they started Duarte, but then played McConnell the most minutes that. Could, that could be the and Duarte minutes. as the backup point guard would be shocking to me. Like, I think he can get touches, but I mean, they, yeah, that, that, that's why I don't think it kind of would start, but it could, he, they could close fourth quarter of the lineup of right. four. I'm just addressing other parts of the question, but yeah, yeah I yeah. think in the, it's possible he closes games in the right matchups and stuff. Like, I think he could play more. I don't know if 30 minutes uh, is in the cards. He so. was good. I thought he, I mean, he got pretty close to it last year. I feel like when they were, when he was starting too. I mean, there's games where he played like 40 when he started, but he played more than 30 minutes from April onwards. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in the last 20, what a, seven, six games. So, and was that a 25 game stretch? Pretty, ex- I think 30 is a pretty extreme number for him. Okay. No, that, that, that's personally, fair, personally. But, but 28 is pretty close to that. I think he could play more though. I, I, that is definitely a possibility. Uh, and can they juggle minutes of that Brogdon is playing the point McConnell is on the floor? Yeah, they'll they'll definitely do that. And I think they can even share the floor because Brogdon can shoot a little bit. But Duarte playing point guard, uh, if McConnell does start, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think they'd rather in that situation try to make Karras like the guy who stays in the court the longest and, and kind of leads the second unit for a little bit until they can sub again. But if you have other thoughts, let me know. No, I think that's that's fair. And if they are going to elevate McConnell to the starting five, which maybe we'll find that out in preseason, that would bode very well for Kiefer Sykes fighting for the last roster spot because they still have some non-guaranteed dudes fighting over that last spot. We got one more question here, and we got to change the name of the podcast for this question to Locked On Pacers Sports and Entertainment. And Adam, I don't think you can help me at all with this question. Oh, so you uh, you can sit there and talk. You can mute your mic if you want. Paul Landon DM'd me to ask that he knows it's a Pacers mailbag, but what would my long form take be on the state of the fever and Tamika's job so far? And they have three games left this season. The fever do they are six and 23. Adam, do you have any fever insight you would like to add? Or can I just ramble for about two minutes? Can I, can I ask what position Tamika catching has with the Pacers currently uh, with the fever? Yeah. Fever. I'm She's sorry. The general manager. Okay. That's what I thought. When did she get the job? She's been the general manager for two and a half years now. 2019, okay, so I believe. She's got, she's got plenty of time. She's still rebuilding. She is still rebuilding. Um, so the 
The short form of Tamika's tenure is that there's been a lot of turnover in a way that makes it kind of hard to assess stuff. Like a lot of players left between last year and this year who some were, you know, Kennedy Burke, Candice Dupree, Julie Alamond, that make it kind of hard to say. And Julie Alamond could come back, but makes it really hard to say. Ali Achano, another one who left, that her signings have been good or bad. If you just look at their record, you'd say, yeah, she's not doing a very good job, right? Her rookie draft picks from the last two years, not looking solid. One's on a different team already tonight. Uh, Kaiser hasn't played much this season. Kaiser Gondrzyk, Alia Wilson only played three minutes tonight when they only had eight healthy players. Uh, so, it, you know, a lot of the surface level stuff suggests it's not so good. I think the Fever have been better than their record for basically three months to close this season. And they're building well to be a much better team next year when they're healthier and they have, you know, one or two more draft picks to replace like two players in the back end of the roster. But honestly, they're just, they're, it's hard to explain their situation because of how much turnover they've had in Tamika's tenure. Like, I think next year is fine. The first time they're going to kind of carry a lot of roster over from season to season, which is something that their head coach, Marianne Stanley, will really value, which I think will be really helpful, right? We've seen a lot of improvement from their best players, Kelsey Mitchell, Tierra McCowan, Tiffany Mitchell, over the course of this season. Uh, so if they can be surrounded with, you know, a healthy Daniel Robinson for more time, a healthy Jantel Lavender for more time, two former All-Star vets they signed, this summer, plus a really high draft pick, plus Victoria Vivian's continuing to get healthier. I think they can be much better next year with a very similar team, and that will make Tamika's tenure look better, especially if any of her draft picks from the last couple seasons can take a meaningful step forward. Does that all make sense, Adam, or does that sound like me caping for a team that has 12 wins in the last two seasons? You know, I, I it kind of does, but at the same time, they're they're it's so early in their development that I don't think you can least like if they did this for five years, you can start kind of agreed. Same way. agreed. Well, but the third, were, I think the third year is really pivotal on a GM. Yeah. They were relevant like three or four years ago, right? When they like pretty good until Tamika basically retired pretty much. Yep. So it's, it's not like they were been bad for a long continued stretch. It's been pretty much a recent phenomenon. And November, 2019 was the official uh, Tamika catchings gets her expanded role to GM. So, not even two years, although we're coming up on that. Two so, seasons. I was thinking it was two seasons. That's why. I, it is basically two seasons, but also her first season was the Wubble, which was chaotic as well. Yeah, yeah. The COVID. Year. Yeah. yeah. So I think she she has a little bit longer of a leash to kind of establish what her vision is, right? Again, a lot of turnover from front office to front office, and it's not I, that much different. But I think she's a pretty long leash, too, because she's a fever legend. She's a legend with the franchise, right? You know, Larry, 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 Larry Bird wasn't a page legend, but was a Indiana basketball legend. Got a got a very 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 long leash. Well, if you want me to, if you want me to draw some Pacers ties, so some people can can kind of get a feel for it here, right? Like she hired Marion Stanley to be the coach, right? And uh, Nate Bjorkren was was just hired by Pritchard, and that went horribly, right? And that and like even though Pritchard's done a good job, like that's a big stain on how we view him as the decision maker for the Pacers. Where so. Marianne has, you know, the record isn't good, but her culture development's a big thing for her, right? She's a former coach of the year, has been an assistant on some championship teams, right? If that hire turns out to be correct, when she can instill what she wants to as the coach, as the culture setter, then Tamika will look good. She hired the right coach and has slowly built her team. If, if Marianne does not work out as the coach, that that's a big part of this as well. And I think that is another part of year three of the current Fever era that will be very telling. I think next year is going to be pretty pivotal, for the fever organization, especially if they win the lottery and then don't take a step forward. Yeah, except Bird Bird was able to hire uh, Larry O'Brien. No, Larry Brown. Wow, Larry no, Jim O'Brien. O'Brien. Wow, get the names wrong. Jim Jim <laughs> O'Brien 
And he still managed to keep his job for like 10 more years. <laughs> That's true. That's Sorry. True. I was like trying to figure out. I, just, I, was very, I was right there. I'm close. And I will close this podcast without a mailbag question by complaining about people in Indianapolis firing off fireworks at 1030 p.m. on September 12th. Thanks, strangers. Anyway. I celebrate post-Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Thank you guys a ton for submitting the questions. We love mailbag questions. If you're interested in more fever stuff, oh, more fireworks. Yes, I hope you guys can hear that. Um, if you're interested in more fever questions. stuff, I need to find an outlet to do fever podcasting. I think people could be interested in that. But let me know. I'll try to find a way to squeeze that in. Adam, you got anything else today? No, I'm good. So there's a topic we've been workshopping we wanted to do this summer. We have five more episodes. Can you believe that? Before training camp starts, which seems insane. Um, but one episode I wanted to do was how much did injuries impact the Pacers last season, right? Or even the last two seasons since since the depot injury era. Now seems like a fitting time to do that. So you can look forward to that on Wednesday as we run through some stats and, and talk about the Pacers injury history recently and how it could impact them going forward. So stick around for that. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPacers, Adam at Freeman Adam 5, me at T East NBA. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you on Wednesday.